Drive it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,271. Today I'm in my backyard at LeMay, America's Car Museum. We're going to be talking to their new curator about all the things she has planned and a whole lot more. So be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm, well, I'm in my backyard. I'm over here in Tacoma, Washington, with a very special guest by the name of Pandora Paul. Pandora, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am indeed, Mark. Appreciate that. <laughs> We're going to have some fun here. So before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Pandora? Well, believe it or not, I rode, I rode horses a lot when I was a kid. It was Western, not English. And uh, quarter horses, Appaloosas, Tennessee walkers. Uh-huh. But my main ride was a cocoa powder colored mule by the name of Molly. <laughs> Molly the mule. <laughs> Molly the mule. Mules are so cool. I, I mean, I, I, I've never been around horses or mules, but I just look at them and they just look like characters. Is that is that a good way to describe them? Yes, that's an excellent way to describe them. They they teach you a lot and they teach you what not to do. <laughs> ah, okay. Very cool. Well, you know what's interesting is you go from Southern California, San Diego area, just like me. And mm-hmm. when I think of me growing up on the beach, there weren't many horses, although I did have friends who had horses that stabled and we'd ride on the beach. And in, in our pre-show chat, we talked about the fact that you used to go down and ride horses on the beach. So that's cool. Yeah, you know, it's it's a lovely experience to ride a horse on the beach, oh, yeah. uh, except for, you know, sometimes the horses really like the water. They like it a lot. They like it so much they that they to like to in roll it. in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that happen. Yeah, you got to be kind of ready for uh, what they want to do. Yes. Cool. Well, mules are neat. I have an aunt uh, and her husband, her late husband now, but uh, they had mules and raised mules. And uh, I remember as a little kid, they were in Texas, so I rarely got to visit them. But getting to visit them and uh, seeing the mules and and just, I love the sound they make. They just, oh yeah, they just have a noise that, you know, it's just, is fun. It just sounds like fun. So. Very cool. All right. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Uh, Pandora Paul is the curator at America's Automotive Trust and LeMay America's Car Museum here in Tacoma, Washington. She grew up in Southern California, as we mentioned, enjoying driving her father's red 59 convertible and her mom's 70 Opal GT. And she jumped on some mules and horses in her time and uh, cruising while in high school in her 77 Malibu Classic station wagon. We got a car gal on our hands here today. Her careers included both work and play in museum education, training, and curation. Pandora was part of the team at the San Diego Automotive Museum, been there many times, love that place, creating award-winning exhibits. She served on the board of directors of the National Association of Automobile Museums. She loves to showcase vehicles not seen before and interpreting cars in unique ways that inspire conversation and create wonder and awe. She believes automobiles are snapshots of our culture. I would agree. We'll be back in just a moment to talk more about Pandora and her new role there at LeMay. But first, a word from our sponsors. So give them a little listen and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 
way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around. I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Pandora, let's talk a little bit first about your history working in the car world, being part of museums. Of course, the San Diego uh, Museum down there, the Automotive Museum, I've been there many times, love that place. And now you're up here at LeMay, but can you walk us through your career path? What brought you into this career path, other than those early days of driving your mom and dad's cars? And also, I want to talk about Opals a little bit, because I've got a little bit of history with those as well. But give us a little bit of a background of what you did, how you did it, and then we'll bring us forward to this new role here in Tacoma. Well, I mean, I started out actually thinking that I was going to become a veterinarian. <laughs> oh, okay, well, the horses, the mules. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, and this kind of uh, goes into one of the questions that you'd asked uh, at one point where I got changed from that direction by, by chemistry. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, and then so I ended up going into instructional design and for a project, I decided that I was going to uh, use a recreation of a Gilmore gas station that I knew that was outside and in, in kind of the lakeside area and incorporate that as a, as a presentation and also an exhibit idea for the um, history and development of gas pumps. So that's why I went to the, the San oh Diego Automotive Museum wow. with that idea. And then through that, I started volunteering. I became the hood ornament person there because <laughs> I love them and I took pictures of them uh-huh. uh, as a hobby. And through my volunteering, and then they actually offered me a job as the education director, and then that morphed into the curation for the museum. Wow. How exciting. Well, cars, you know, I mentioned in your intro, your dad had a cool Corvette. Your mom had an Opal. I had a good friend in high school and he actually went to college with me who had an Opal GT. I had never seen another Opal GT before way back when. Now, this was in the late 70s, early 80s. And I thought it was so cool because it was this very unique vehicle that no one else had. Right. And you, But your mom had one there in San Diego. Yep, yep. Uh, it was uh, white with a red interior. Oh, yeah. My friend's was white with black. And I love that thing. It, they're just neat looking cars. Um, a lot of people refer to it as the what the baby Corvette. 
You kind of, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I From my research, if they kind of developed simultaneously, or at least that's the, the word. But, you know, there's just nothing like riding around in that little thing because it just, it buzzed quite a bit and it was just kind of a, a real fun, and the horn is hysterical. <laughs> yes. I can't remember. As well that. as those lovely headlights when you when you had to flip over those headlights yeah. with the manual. Yeah, they, they flipped kind of side to side versus yep. front to back. So unlike, uh, like say, a Porsche 928 or a Corvette or some of those, they, they rotate the other way, which is very unique and different, like a flopping fish. Yes. <laughs> a little bit. Now, you also in high school had a very cool 77 Malibu uh, classic station wagon. And, you know, for when I think back to the times now, I'm a little older than you, but the times in San Diego, you didn't see too many, at least in my neighborhood, of those old classic cars. We did have a kid who had an old uh, Z28 Camaro. Uh, it had a big blower sticking out of the hood. We called it the Batmobile. Thing was just a rocket ship. But were you kind of rare in that way in, in high school driving a car like that? I don't think so. Um, my best friend, a uh, guy by the name of Steve Usselman, yeah, he had a Chevy station wagon, the 73, with those great clamshell back door things. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That thing I thought was the best thing. And he and I would cruise around together driving around these two big, gigantic station, station wagons, wagons back roads. <laughs> that's kind of rare. You know, I would think my parents had one of those. Remember the Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser? Yes, with yeah. the glass. With the glass on the top, they had a first generation and then got a second generation. So late 60s and then into the 70s. And my first car was a 67 Chevy Nova. So, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, which was, uh, at the time, I thought it was not cool. I wanted a Porsche, uh, but that wasn't <laughs> in the budget. I ended up with my poor man's Porsche a year later, my Carmagia, but um, that's oh, about nice. as close as I got to a Porsche back when I was in, in high school. The paper route uh, and the car washing didn't quite uh, bring a Porsche into the garage, but it was it was a lot of fun. So let's talk about this new role at LeMay, because I was fortunate enough to meet you a few weeks ago. I was invited to be uh, an MC to introduce the new Porsche exhibit, and my regular listeners know that my beloved Orange Crush was there, a car I had for 13, 14 years, and the new owner lives locally here, so he's loaned the car to you guys. The involvement with LeMay was what brought you here to the Pacific Northwest? Because it wasn't our sunshine, although the sun just came out. So I did that just for <laughs> you today. Uh, but it looks like there's some gray clouds on the horizon. What brought you up here to the Pacific Northwest? And tell us a little bit about your excitement of working at LeMay. Yeah, I um, I came up here quite a bit because of uh, I had a friend of mine that actually moved, relocated up here with her family, and she kept telling me how great it was up here, and and I started looking around at, at, at other op- op- opportunities and uh, thought I'd you know apply up here because my friend was up here and she kept lobbying to, for me to come up here, and <laughs> yeah. and then you know uh, ended up getting the job here at Lemay, and I was super excited, and I still am. It's just it's 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 just like a candy store around here. <laughs> so it's just uh, uh, amazing, and I'm I'm so excited because. Because of the fact that I'm responsible for trying to like conceptualize ideas and kind of get new ideas out there, also presenting the the amazing collection by that was you know put together by Harold LeMay and um, helping the cars kind of breathe a little bit more. I'm I'm trying to get some more space figured out or at least kind of exhibiting things in a little bit more of a unique way so that the cars kind of introduce themselves to the uh, to the visitors. You know I like that for people that have not been to LeMay. Very interesting museum, multi-floored layer. It's a little bit like a, dare I say, a parking garage, but not really. But the way it's set up is you go down these ramps and there's all these cars lined up. 
And there's a lot of cars in there, but you're right. Sometimes it feels like they're a little bit too close together and they need to breathe a little bit. So uh, I'll be very interested to see how you do this with the space configurations and restraints and things you have. But that top floor where they have the current Porsche exhibit is typically more open. Uh, it rotates. There's different cars and things up there. So your role primarily is exactly what? What is your job there now? Oh, well, there's a, there's a lot of jo- <laughs> you wear a lot of hats. the role. Yeah. Yeah. There's the whole creative aspect of, of figuring out a, an exhibit that would, would be interesting to different parts of society and then making those connections and making those networks so that we can find the vehicles that might be interesting to bring in to, to kind of uh, explain an era or a, or a, an area of car culture. Uh, kind of my th- interpretation too is to make the, the museum a little bit more of a cultural hub for our local communities as well as the national appreciation for the automotive culture and history and heritage. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to make those collaborations with maybe local museums, local, local organizations, local car communities, and, and trying to uh, highlight them a little bit more. I think one of the things you're going to find, and I found this when I moved here, when I moved up here, I was a little worried because coming from Southern California, car cultural center, I came up here thinking, does anybody have cars up here? Uh, you know, and I moved up here in the winter and it can be a little gray and rainy and a lot of collectors don't bring their cars out in the winter in the rain. And so for several months, I was kind of depressed because it was like, where are all the cars? And then I started meeting people and I realized there's a massive car culture up here. Yep. Lots of people with incredible collections of cars from just a few to hundreds. And all of a sudden I got a big smile on my face and went, okay, uh, this is going to be kind of fun. So let's talk a little bit more about your goals and plans in the way of what I like to call driving inspirations. Uh, Either people in your life that have been influential mentors, people that have helped you build what you become in the museum world. Is there somebody like that in your past? Well, you know, I think uh, you get inspirations from a lot of different sources. And, you know, the very first one would be my mother with her Opal GT. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, she actually, I have this great picture of her. She was quite, she was quite the fashion person. And there's this great picture of her leaning up against the uh, the Opal, the white Opal with the red interior. She's got white shorts on with white go-go boots, with oh. a red shirt and a white jacket, <laughs> nice. with a white hat on and white, those white big plastic sunglasses you had back oh, in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. How fun. Yeah. So she, she really inspired me to, to kind of enjoy the fact that, you know, cars can bring a, a special uh, excitement, kind of a, and a, and a, a je ne sais quoi to your, to your existence. Um, she also was German. So she helped me get a greater respect for other cultures and different ways of thinking. And that helped, has helped with interacting with a lot of different cultures. I also lived in Korea for three years. So having that kind of in there too, gives you a different understanding of the way the world think, thinks right. and, and sees. Oh, yeah. I think it's so important if you have a chance to go spend any time abroad anywhere, it's so important. And you you do get a different perspective. At the same respect from the car world, you realize there are car fanatics all over the world. I mean, we're not the only ones here. They're everywhere. But the Opel, of course, coming out of Germany kind of makes sense with your mom. Is your mom, was she always driving kind of cool cars? Because that's, that's pretty rare for a mom to be driving an Opel GT. 
Yeah, you know, the counter to that was is that because she learned really late how to drive because she had to she had to escape when things were happening over there. Oh my gosh, wow. And they, she didn't have the chance to, to learn how to drive when she was younger. So she drove a little slower than most other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which meant, you know, basically that that car was mint and she didn't drive anywhere other than really close by. But uh, she, after after they were having, and this, this is common knowledge with the Opals, but uh, they had some carburetor problems. So she ended up, uh, then they they traded well they ended up they kept it for a bit unfortunately i didn't i wasn't here when they uh, ended up selling it to a collector and i really want to find that car again one day but um she ended up driving an mr2 after that <laughs> oh so something else kind of fun yeah so she she knew what things you know and again it was white with this one this time with the blue interior yeah she she knew how to drive a car that, that looked good and performed well so that's kind of what i always look forward to you know, you think about those cars, I kind of chuckled when you said carburetor problems because I remember my buddy who had one and we would trade off driving to school and there were several times I was late to class because something would go wrong, he'd pull over and he'd have the hood up and it was always the carburetors on those things and they weren't they weren't terribly fast as I remember. They they I think they had like less than 100 no, no, horsepower. No, no, not fast. It shook like a, you know, just really crazy when, when you got it up to about 60, 65. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they look kind of cool, but what I have not seen one in a long time. Is there, and I'm trying to remember, is there an Opal in the collection there at LeMay? Do they have one? There is not, not here, no. I, um, I'll i bet you he had one. I'll bet Harold had one at some point. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, you know, Opal was distributed by Buick here. So, you know, the, and they, they made their little inroads to people. So, you know, I'd have to I'd have to ask. I'll have to see if I can find that out. And those cars were all made in Germany, right? I think so. Um, I know that they were imported here by Buick, but I, I think pretty much there was only in, they were only made in Germany. Yeah, I think they were. Um, I don't remember the city, but uh, I'm almost certain they were. And I remember my my buddy who had one always talking about that uh, a little bit. He was kind of unique because he lived with his grandmother because his father was in the military and his father and mother were living in Iran and were oh, wow. good friends of the the Shah of Iran. And my friend used to go over there four or five times a year and get to go to the big parties and the palaces of the Shah of Iran's court. This is before he was uh, kicked out and I told us came in and all that. But uh, he used to come back and tell me some just insane stories and also about the Shah's collection of cars, including a uh, Lamborghini Miura that he had that I think is now here in the U.S. in a, in a U.S. collection. Um, so kind of fun stuff. Let's talk a little bit about challenges because I like to sh have people share challenges in the context of what did they teach you? Maybe not so much fun when you're in the middle of it, but <laughs> as you look back, uh, you kind of go, well, I'm kind of glad I went through that. It taught me a really valuable lesson. Can you take us on a little bit of maybe one of those shaky, rough Opal rides? Yeah, well, you know, um, I, you know, I was thinking about this question and, and I, I, I realized that probably the one of the bigger ones, and as I referred to it before, when I went to college at Davis, uh, I wanted to become a veterinarian. Seemed pretty cool. There's a veterinarian school there. I started out as an animal science major. I know this sounds, you know, very weird for where I'm at now. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So horsepower. you know, and I learned there's a little relationship yeah, you know, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, horsepower. Cow power. Cow power. Um, yeah. So, you know, I learned how to milk cows for the first time. I'd never done that before. Flip sheep, you know, herd pigs, which are gigantic, by the way. They, they're not that cute, small things. No, they can be very volatile and they make the most horrible noises. Oh, yeah. And they're just, yeah, they're scary as all get out, to be honest. I could do all that, you know, but uh, I wasn't ready for college. Um, and also, I didn't have any advisors to tell me which classes I should 
take, and I should have stuck with my my inclinations, which were a little bit more on the artistic side. But you know, I dove in, and I discovered chemistry was not my friend. Oh, it's tough. Chemistry is, uh, yeah, I I couldn't yeah, gotten through you know, those courses. They're tough. It didn't, yeah, it didn't, it didn't help. My mate, my roommate was also a chemistry major. Oh gosh. So I kept. Yeah, so she it was easy for her, but I, I, yeah, it didn't work for me. So you know, I realized that I was not going to become a veterinarian because this was not working. I tried and I tried and I just it was not happening. So I tried to ask my parents if I could become a historian. <laughs> historian, and they went a what? <laughs> yeah, no, and that was a hard no. So I, you know, I stuffed myself into a, a program that I really didn't want to do, which happened to do like business and economics. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And so, did I graduate? Yes. Did I like it? Nope. No. Yeah, it wasn't what you wanted to do. Yeah. And I, you know, but I did take classes on the side that I liked and I got great grades in there. Uh, ended up, you know, practically triple majoring, a double major with a emphasis in another area as well. And then also a history minor. But the thing that I learned on that is that sometimes, you know, you have to pivot and sometimes you don't get what you think you want. <laughs> And don't conform to somebody else's ideas of what success is. You, uh, I spent too much time trying to conform into stuff like that in a lot in my younger years, and uh, realized that doesn't work. Uh, you need to kind of go where you're interested in, and actually things open up because your enthusiasm and your natural curiosity take over. So remember, you can change direction, just like a car. <laughs> you know, it's great advice. There's a roadblock. You don't necessarily need to go through it, and right. sometimes that's a, a bad thing because there's a broken bridge behind that, and you're going to go down plummeting down so change adjust go in a different direction it's okay success is not linear great advice I, I think that happens to so many young people in college and you know they're trying to please their parents and especially these days college is so expensive i mean it was expensive when i was in school because i was paying for it uh i couldn't do couldn't do that today it's just way too too much money but you're right you're trying to please so many people and sometimes you have to stop and go well, what do i want and I appreciate you sharing that uh, very personal story. So bravo that you, you took that path. I want to talk about special vehicles. Uh, now, I mentioned that cool wagon you had, but is there one special vehicle in your life that really stands out? And if so, take us on a little ride. Well, in my opinion, aren't all cars kind of special in your life? I mean, <laughs> yes. they might not be speediest or coolest or sexiest, but they get you where you need to go, right? Um, so they're all special, I think, in their own way. My current my current. Uh, horse, as it were, is a Hyundai Kona all-wheel drive turbo, and I call it Billy, as in Billy Goat. But <laughs> the real the real car that I have to talk to is probably my very first classic car that I bought after I'd started taking pictures of hood ornaments and, and, and using that as my photography. I'd let, like, I'd turned a certain age, <clears throat> 40, and I said, all right, I'm diving in. I'm going to get one. I'm getting one. So I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was looking on eBay and saw this car and it looked really weird because all the other places, all the other car ads had these great pictures, all, you know, quarter panel, high panel, vibe, undercarriage, you know, everything. This car was in the middle of a field. Oh, you're and it brave. Was in the distance. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Why is that like that? So I I contacted the seller and, I, and it was, the sale was ending the next day. And I said, can I come out and look at it? It was East, East, East County. Oh, sure. Come on out. Okay. First thing is it was snowing. I don't know how to drive in snow. At least I didn't then. And so I was like, oh my God, getting out there finally. And I see this car under a tree. It's this beautiful thing. It's red and black. Guy comes out, says, hi, I'm her, I'm her uncle. She'll be out in a minute. She's finishing up a shower, hops in, starts the car. So I'm looking at this beautiful two-tone black and, uh, black and red 1957 Oldsmobile Super 88 with the original lacquer paint, which was cracking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, gurgling as it's idling, but it's smoking. 
with smoking a little bit. I'm leaning over, uh, looking at the smoke. And a voice comes over my shoulder and says, oh, she can do a much better job at smoking than that. Oh. <laughs> I look up and there's this woman in this full on smoke jacket, like a smoker's jacket, you know, yeah. the old school, like, you know, you're in the library kind of thing and a fuzzy fox collar and she's in full goth mode. Full goth <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? So anyway, this is the car. It, she couldn't she couldn't keep it running because she's she's 26 and this is her first car. This okay. was in 2006. Can you imagine? It was your first car. It was a 57 Oldsmobile. And this was in the 2000s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, I, that was my first uh, my first classic car. I had to take it in and I had to you know tow it because the uh, fire department across the way was saying, if you, <laughs> Too you much have that smoke. car, yeah. leave the property. I, we're going to cite you and confiscate it. Yeah. Wow. You're a brave lady. Holy cow. Yeah. So yeah, I had it worked on and worked on. And then we were back roads, back on the Highway 80, back that section. Okay. And it, uh, that car, I, I named, I named it Samantha because it was sexy and it had some good bones. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You know, I, I love it when people name cars, uh, over about something. My son did that with his first car. Um, he named it Nancy and I said, why Nancy? And he said, cause every Nancy I have known has been a pain in the butt. And this car <laughs> was kind of a pain in the butt cause he had to learn how to drive. A st- I, I forced both my kids to have stick shifts for the first cars and, uh, he didn't really nice. want that, but he was, I think his only, he was the only kid in school besides my daughter that had a stick shift car. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think in hindsight, they were happy I did that, but uh, at the time they weren't that that thrill, but I had ulterior motive. I didn't want them focusing on their phones and other things. When you drive yeah. a stick shift, you got to pay attention to what you're doing yep. all the time, especially around here where there's hills and things like that. So Samantha, the Oldsmobile 88. I love it. What a fun story. How long did you have that car? Wow. You know, I had it all up until right before I moved up here. Oh, okay. um, so I had it for ooh, 14 years. Almost. Oh, yeah. long love affair. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, and, and unlike some other people who have the money to, to make her look great, I, uh, I put everything into the engine and the transmission and, you know, good. Well, um, smart. That's a good place to start. You know, so she ran around with quite the patina because it wasn't, you know, <laughs> but well. it, it was a really kind of a cool vibe though you know people i'd had people running out in the middle of the street asking me to to, to sell them the car because oh, really? they just yeah they just thought it was amazing because it was it showed some life it had it wasn't super rusty or anything i mean the paint had held up weirdly enough um uh, but you know when this was lacquer and stuff it did have cracks in it it had this crazy crazed look um but it was just a, it was a beautiful car and my dog loved that car my dog was a long-haired german shepherd about 100 pounds and he was red and black too so they matched and he just thought that was the best cruiser to hang out on and just check out the world with. I always loved on those cars a uh, couple things. Uh, was yours a convertible or a hardtop? Mine was a hardtop. Okay. I, yeah. I love the way the hardtop swooped down and the way that that little quarter window on some of those yep. was a little different. And I love that line that came off the, the lower rear fender over the rear tire and then jutted up to the top of the door frame. It, it just... Yep. You know, it just had that kind of a, a cool, different vibe to it when you think about all the cars that were pretty unique in the in the late 50s. But that one had a kind of muscle feel like a, I don't know, it felt kind of muscular to me. Well, you know, they had a they had a cool um, heritage, right? I mean, they were like the super hot rods in the, the very beginning of the 50s. And yeah, that thing was cool, was cool in a lot of ways. But if you had it, like a two-tone, actually, technically it was a three-tone because basically what what it was was that there was a little strip paint that was in the two between the two uh, chrome plates, oh, chrome yeah. strips. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, mine was. Let me remember this correctly. The back end was black, and then that little chrome strip had white in it, and then it had um, red in the front. Oh wow! So it was just 
a glorious car and then the <laughs> neat neat car and yeah. i love the way that those uh even though they were pain as far as mechanics but the the way that the the electric windows would would come down from that back panel was just crazy kind of what yeah the way they they flipped down cool well fun car great story now i'm going to be your car psychologist here pandora mm-hmm. on your <laughs> head a little bit here so if you were reincarnated what kind of car would you be and why uh, uh, there's so many answers to that question, isn't there? <laughs> well, it depends on the person. Well, you know, this is funny because I, I saw this car and I, for some reason, just it just screamed that it was me. I used to go to this Cuban restaurant. My family went to it for years, decades even. And I was thought I would always be going out there and getting food and coming back. But in that neighborhood, I saw this car and I'm just like, I was captured by it. And... You wait for it because I'll try and explain it and I'll try and give it the credit it needs. It had these angular, triangular, flared nostrils of a split grill. It had a surfer rack that was gripping the top like a gremlin on the plane wing, hanging on for dear life, like the gremlin from Twilight Zone that William Shatner was in. Uh, (laughs) Had a California rake stamp, made it look like it was judgment on wheels. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was a faded, dark gunmetal, gunmetal gray, and it just had this dystopian vision of being a seven a 1970s super b hmm, wow yeah <laughs> wow quite a description there yep i mean it, it, <laughs> it's now, not it's not everybody's choice was it a, was it a car that was running or just kind of parked there at this restaurant or no it was it was actually in the neighborhood okay. of the restaurant and it, it was a, a guy who owned it i actually went to find him and talk to him about it he loved that car yeah i just did why why that would be me is it's unusual um it's somewhat polarizing looks tough and has muscle um <laughs> is it perfect nope and uh looks like it's gone through armageddon and survived so um but you'll notice it when it's going down the road and either you know one or two things are going to happen you're going to think that's really cool or you're going to think what's wrong with that owner why don't they restore it get out of the way now that those cars had two little scoops on the front on the hood didn't they yep yeah, they, they had those- kind of Mad Max-ish a little bit. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It would make people just kind of go, what? Huh? <laughs> and they, But you notice it, right? It makes you think. Uh, yeah, I think it's cool. You know, I mentioned in your introduction your passion for exposing cars to people, creating wonder and awe. Is that how you perceive your role and what you're doing in auto museums as as helping others, giving back, exposing them to cultures and times that perhaps they'd never been exposed to? For sure. You know, kind of getting people into where, understanding where these cars came from, what the thought process was, what the life was like, um, because they really do draw you back to that, especially if you get to drive in, in a car that's, you know, got the right kind of tires on it. It's got the original engine in it. You get you have all the sounds and the smells and the and the feelings of a car back then, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's I I like to try and have people, if possible, kind of immerse themselves in a totally different world if possible, so that they step in and they're just kind of captured by what they're seeing. Well, cars are uh, they become so vanilla in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the roads these days and compared to fifties, sixties, even seventies, where things look different there you could tell a car by its headlights or its grill or bumpers and now it's like suv land or pickup truck land everything seems to be the same and they just kind of blend all together and that's why when something old and unique shows up we get all excited those of us who love cars like what is oh look at that 
that's pretty cool. Exactly. You know, so uh, I appreciate the fact that you're doing that, uh, continuing to keep that spirit alive. How about a great book you'd like to share with us? <laughs> well, there's so many, um, but I um, I tend to, to like things that, that kind of, again, bring you somewhere where you normally wouldn't be. Um, so there's a guy by the name of Eric Weiner who did a bunch of different books. Um, one's called The Geography of Bliss. Sounds a little, you know, out there, but it's a really cool book about him traveling and making observations of the places that have been notated as being some of the happiest places in the world. Geography of Genius by him. Also a guy that, you know, the book by him doesn't, it sounds weird or it sounds one way, but it's really, really quite interesting. It's called Man Seeks God by him as well. Another one that I'd, I'd recommend just because sometimes chaos can teach you stuff is called Anti-Fragile guy by the name of Nassim Nicholas Taleb or Taleb and also Freakonomics and Super Freakonomics by Levitt and Dunbar. <laughs> you have an interesting list of reading material, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I know most people are thinking, oh, where's the cars? But, you know, I think you can learn a lot by a lot of different sources. Right. I appreciate you sharing some new books with us today. That's awesome. So I'm going to enable you to go in what I call the ultimate drive. I'm going to park any garage, any garage. I'm going to park any car in your garage uh, that you would like. Don't worry about the cost. I'm providing the car for you today. You can take it anywhere, but you can take anybody with you, including somebody from the past that's no longer with us, which opens up the ride to be very interesting. So what does the ultimate drive and ride look like for you? Um, hmm. Uh, 1959 Buick Invicta. Uh, <laughs> An Invicta, nice. Hard top and a sedan because I hate those those flip seats. I know everybody's going to get down on me about it being a sedan, <laughs> but it makes it easier to get into the back seat. It's also safer, um, you know, for safety that you have. <laughs> and there's two answers to the people because I, I decided there was one for just general stuff and then there's another one for car specific. So Wassily Kandinsky and also Franz Mark, which are artists from the 1920s, 10s, 20s, 30s. And for car people, I'd say Raymond Lowy, Virgil Exner, and Harley Earl. What a what a bunch of people they have in, in a Buick Invicta. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, and they'd all fit. Yeah, well, they would. Yeah, uh, those are awesome cars, uh, be beautiful cars. It was a guy up here in the Pacific Northwest that had one of those. I remember I shot it for a catalog cover, and I remember the carpet being black with little gold flecks in it. Like, oh, yeah. Like the stars or something, you know. So, uh, yeah, nice choice. I like it. I see a little trend going on here with the 50s uh, and your taste in cars. Pandora, you have taken us on a fun ride today. I'm so happy and want to welcome you here to the Pacific Northwest. If you ever have any needs or anything as far as where to go, what to see, please reach out anytime because I've lived here for almost 30 years now, learned a little bit, but you'll find there's lots of great car people here as you'll continue to meet them there at LeMay. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some parting words of wisdom or success quote or a mantra? Oh, I don't have a quote, but I would say in short order, buy the car within reason, take the chances, <laughs> trust your abilities and take up space. If you're offered some crazy experience, say yes. <laughs> I did. I participated in the Baja 1000 in a truck and a chase truck and it was re remarkable. Yeah. And don't settle. Take the rides. Will you break down? Will it be something you remember for the rest of your life? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I got to do a pre-run uh, for the Baja 1000 once with a friend's dad who had a, a car. And that is gnarly, especially back in the 70s oh, when cars sure. did not have the kind of uh, suspension systems they have today. Oh. I think my kidneys are still unsettled uh, to this day from that ride. But um, it was certainly fun. It was just one day. We went out and was doing some testing and... Uh, 
normally I love doing stuff in cars, but I couldn't wait to get out of that thing. Oh my gosh. I'm like, how many days do you do this? Like you're crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. With something else. So how can people learn more about LeMay and America's Automotive Trust and LeMay America's Car Museum? Well, they they can check out the website um, for America's Car Museum. It's just americascarmuseum.org. America's Automotive Trust, it's aat.org. We also have an affiliated organization that helps make the, or helps support people learning the trades of restoration preservation. Uh, it's called the RPM Foundation. Yes. And that's just RPM. I think it's uh, RPM dot foundation on that. And then Absolutely. there's also America on Wheels, which is another museum, which is americaonwheels.org. Absolutely. And my regular listeners know I'm a big supporter of the RPM Foundation. Uh, here you hear their advertisements on Cars Yeah for years here. Absolutely great organization as well. Pandora, thanks for spending some time with us today. Welcome to the Pacific Northwest. And as I say that, the sun just went away and now it's raining. So learn that's just <laughs> that's just part of living up here. But that's why we have big trees, much bigger trees than those palm trees down there in Southern sure. California. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you at LeMay, America's Car Museum. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.